Well, thank you to the worship team for leading us in worship tonight. Maybe before I start, do we have any first-time visitors here tonight? Anyone visiting us for the first time? All right, it's not new to me, but welcome to you. Welcome to the two gents there. If you guys could put your hands straight up again. Sorry, sorry. Um, if you're regulars, please look around, see who's new, so we can overwhelm them with love after the service. Make sure they don't run away, so at least we get their names. All right, and maybe their banking details. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, tonight I was, as I was preparing, a thought came to my mind. What is the one thing people want the most in the world besides money? Because I thought everyone would be thinking money. And as I was thinking, I was sitting there and I was reading the psalm again, again, and again, I figured a lot of people in the world want to be happy. Some people will come back and they'll say to you, well, if you give me money, I'll be happy. But we, we know from history, we know from knowing actual people that, that equation doesn't always work out. Money does not always equal happiness. So the question then is, what must I do to be happy? What must I do to live a blessed life? So the more I sat and I thought about this, I thought, man, what should I do? So I did what a normal person does. I went on Google. So I Googled how to live a happy or fulfilled life, and this is what I found. I found 20 secrets to living a happy life. Another hit said 21 tips to live a happier life. 11 habits to help you live a happier life. Another hit was 7 tips to live a happier life. So this was just the first page, the first four hits. I calculated all of them, so they gave us 59 tips to live a happy life. But this was only four hits out of 108 million other hits of what we need to do to live a happy life. That's a lot. A lot of advice from a lot of different people. So tonight I thought I'd help us. I'll give us one. I'll give us one secret to the blessed life. One step, one tip, one recipe to a blessed life. So if you turn with me to Psalm 128... Psalm 1 to 8, and we will read the whole psalm. It is Psalm 1 to 8, 128. And it reads, a song of ascents. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his way. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Verse 5. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. So, Father, even as we go through your word tonight, Father, I pray that you would sanctify my heart. 
Lord, if there's any sin that is, Lord, hindering your work in me, through me tonight, Lord, I pray that you'd forgive me of that. Help me, Lord, to speak as a vessel that, Lord, you have sanctified for your purpose. Father, I pray for the recipients of your word. That, Father, as they listen to this word, they wouldn't be distracted by me, the speaker, but may they pray that, Lord, speak to them. Reveal your truth to them from your word and by your spirit. And God, I do pray, Lord, if, if there's someone in this room who's just battling with this idea of the reality of a blessed life in Christ, Lord, I pray that tonight you show them, show them from your word, that God, in you, we can have joy forevermore. So God, I do pray that you would speak to them, speak to all of us through your word tonight. And Lord, help me to be clear, help me to be bold. And Lord, I pray that in everything that we do tonight, may you receive the honor and the glory. For this, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing I'd like us to consider tonight is the grounds for this blessing. The grounds for this blessing. One of the most basic human desires is for happiness. So again, what must I do to be happy? But specifically in this context, the question that I'm posing is, what must I do to live a fulfilled life? You know, as I pose this question, you can easily go to YouTube. There are thousands of TED Talks, motivational speakers, teachers or professors, prosperity preachers, TikTokers, Instagram videos spend a lot of their time offering an answer to this question, how can you live a fulfilled life? In fact, if you want to make a quick buck, you can offer this answer and you could speak at any assembly in, in a school in South Africa. Now, some of the answers these guys provide is, hey, to live a fulfilled life, you must have money, or you must have a good career, or you need a degree or degrees, or you must thrive in mcholo, aka relationships, or you need to get married, or you need children, or drip is forever. Or some people say you need houses, other people say you need cars. You see, these have raised their voice to tell us what do you need to be happy, but the truth is all these things and more cannot bring you joy. They will all fail you one after the other. They will all fail you together, probably not at the same time, but they all will fail you because you can never find joy or lasting joy or true joy in material goods or even circumstances, because true joy is found in a person. True joy is found in the person of Jesus Christ. As I said this, my mind immediately went to Christmas. Somebody gave me a countdown, I think something like 20-something days till Christmas. Whoop, whoop. So as I thought about Christmas, the, 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 the song came to my mind, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. And I remember as we sang it last Christmas, Gabby and Dan put a spin to it, and we were shouting, you are my joy, you are my joy, yes you are, you are my joy, joy, joy. Because we understood, joy comes from Jesus. A commentator says, Blessed above all the sons of men, and the author of blessing to them all was the man Christ Jesus, because above them all and for them all, he feared, he loved, and he obeyed. 
Stephen Lawson also said in a sermon, I think I also have it up there, happiness is not determined by where my body is, but where my heart is. Not where my work is, but where my worship is. Not by my external circumstances, but by my internal contentment. Not by my finances, but by my faith. He would go on to say that the current state of my happiness is determined by the time that I spend with Jesus. So the question tonight is, how is your relationship with Jesus? Your lack of joy or your lack of fulfillment are the flags that are telling you that you are living a starved life, a life starved of Christ. Remember the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus preached that the currency of divine joy or the currency of true joy is contrary. It contradicts what the world offers. This is what he said. I had to put it all up there. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He says, blessed, happy, fulfilled are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed, happy, fulfilled are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Then he says in verse 12, Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus preached the whole sermon that it is possible to live on this earth currently and live a blessed life. But it is true. It is true that this life is currently filled with pain. This life is currently filled with evil. But tonight I want to say that the God-fearing man will not just in the future, but in the present, enjoy the blessings of God resting resting upon him. Charles H. Spurgeon in his sermon said, He, the God-fearing man, is happy now, for he is the child of the happy God the ever-living Jehovah, and he is even here a joint heir with Christ Jesus, whose heritage is not misery but joy. This is true of everyone of the God-fearing, of all conditions, in all ages, each one and everyone is blessed. This blessing is the experience that I am no longer cursed. I am no longer under a curse, but I am free. I have received the blessing of God because Christ became a curse for me. I am no longer condemned, but praise God, I have been redeemed. I can know God. I can love God. I can trust God that in everything in my life, it will lead to the experience of the blessing of God. So a blessed life can be described as a life of fulfillment. It can be described as a life full of contentment. 
It is rich, not just in materials, but in substance. It's a rich life. It's a life that is full of peace. This is what God gives to those who fear Him. Those who live their lives with God at the center will be blessed. The psalmist goes on to say, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. If you read throughout the Psalms, you'll notice the psalmists always say that the person who worships the Lord with their lives will enjoy God's blessing. We have examples in Psalm chapter 1. He says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor nor sits in the seat of scorners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Psalm 112 says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandment. The secret to a blessed life is a life of fear and obedience to God. I can end the sermon here and I can leave. If you forget everything, that's the one-liner. The secret to a blessed life is a life lived in fear and obedience to God. The fear of God deals with our heart's disposition towards God, and our obedience deals with our actions before God. When these two are pleasing in the sight of the Lord, He lavishes His blessing in our hearts and in our lives. The proverbial writer talking about the fear of the Lord, he said, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. If my heart is in awe of who God is, and again, a word that sort of is losing its meaning, we always say, how are you doing? I'm awesome. The the only person who is awesome is God. If, If my heart is in awe of who God is, if my heart honors God, if it has a holy and healthy dread and tremble for his power and his holiness, then will I know blessedness. Then will I know true joy. Remember the God who hates sin. The God who destroyed the earth in a flood. The God who sent the plagues to Egypt. The God who parted the Red Sea till the nation Israel crossed on dry land and then collapsed the waters over the Egyptians. The God who destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and brimstone. The God who will crush the head of the serpent, Satan, is the God who is on my side. He is the God who cares for me deeply. He is the God that I can call my God, my Father, my friend. We need to fear Him, and as we fear Him, He blesses us. See, this inward fear of God must lead to an outward obedience to God and His law. If my heart is joined to God, then my feet will chase after him. Many young people I've spoken to are are convinced. They're convinced that if I can commit my life to God right now, it means that I must live a life that is void of fun. (laughs) 
If I commit my life to God now, it's a life of no happiness. All I have to do is focus on keeping the rules in misery. Well, friends, that's not Christianity. At least the one that God has described in his word. It's the furthest thing for the truth. Christianity is a life filled with true joy, not just any joy, but his joy, because our God is indeed a joyful God. 1 Timothy 1 verse 11, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. Romans 14 verse 17, the kingdom of God does not consist of food and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit. Believer, joy comes from God. True joy can only come from God. True, lasting joy can only come from God. Why? Because it is distributed to us by the Holy Spirit of God who dwells in our hearts. The Spirit gives this joy to all believers. The joy of the Lord should characterize our service. The joy of the Lord should characterize our worship for the Christian life must be full of contentment and peace. But what about unbelievers? What about those who do not fear the Lord, but they seem to be so happy? The psalmist would say, do not fret, do not worry, do not fuss because of evildoers, be not envious toward evildoers. For they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. What evildoers parade as the soft life is not the soft life, but it's in fact short-term pleasure which will lead to long-term destruction. The psalmist would go on to say, Believer, trust in the Lord and do good. See the two again? Fear the Lord and obey Him. Trust in the Lord and do good. He goes on to say, Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him and He will do it. See, as I wrap up this first point, we learn from this passage that our lives will not please God unless they are centered around Him and His Word. They can never be centered or framed by His law if we do not fear God. If our lives do not revolve around God, then you cannot fear the God, then you cannot fear the Lord. If you have not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Lord Jesus Christ alone, then you also cannot fear God. You cannot obey Him, for in your heart there dwells no Holy Spirit. So tonight, if you haven't believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, then I'm sorry, you will miss out on the secret to a blessed life. So tonight as you sit there, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that he and only he is able to forgive you of your sins as you are a sinner, cleanse you of all unrighteousness, draw you back to himself and give you his spirit who will allow you to experience his joy?
But do you believe in Jesus? My second point will be shorter. We're almost done. I know it's warm. The departments of blessing, verses 2 to 4. The departments of blessing. The psalmist in verses 2 and 3, he, he starts to get practical. What are some practical areas in our lives where we can experience this blessing of God or we can see this blessings of God? And the psalmist, interestingly, he uses pivotal areas of our lives. For example, your work or your career or your school. He uses a spousal relationship and then he uses family with parents and kids. He starts off with work. But in fact, this could also equate to students. He says in verse 2, You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands, and you shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. See, the psalmist had in his mind the, the, the worker in the field who is tilling the ground and he's collecting his harvest, but this can apply to our work, this can apply to our studies as well. But the psalmist here is saying that you shall eat the fruit of your labor of your hands and you shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. But I want you to think about verse, the psalm before, Psalm 127. In Psalm 127, the psalmist says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. The psalmist in Psalm 127 describes the fruitlessness of the work of those who do not know God. You see, though they work and they see the harvest of their labors, their harvest does not carry out to the fulfillment of God. It is like those weeds that grow in your driveway or those weeds that grow in your pavement. Those weeds are a plant that is not valued where it is growing and it usually of vigorous growth. It usually just destroys your parking or your pavement or your crops. So are the unrighteous and their riches. Your whole life will be empty if it is lived with you or something else at the center. You, you will be fulfilled with what you've reaped for what you've sown from your work only if God is preeminent. The person who fears God and sees God's presence in their work or in their studies will see that whatever the outcome, whatever the challenges, he will find satisfaction in the fact that it is God who is in control and it is God who essentially provides. All that I have comes from God. Apart from God, I have nothing. But the psalmist does not only talk about our work, he also talks about family. He says, so it will be with your family. Husbands, this is a challenge to you, to me as well. God will abundantly bless your wives if you are faithfully devoted to him. If you lead your home in the fear of the Lord, God's blessing will rest upon your home. A part of the blessing exclaimed in the psalm was that the Lord will bless the couple who feared the Lord. He will also bless them with the gift of children. And they too, these children, will partake in the blessing of the Lord. Now remember the context of, of the psalmist. The, the psalmist is writing the psalm where most Jewish people in this time, they all by the time of 1819 would be married. 
So he's writing to this generation saying, hey, when the Lord blesses you, you will get a wife. Husband, if you fear the Lord, he will bless your wife. He will bless your marriage if you both fear the Lord. And he will bless your marriage with children. Proverbs 20 verse 7 says, The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Proverbs 14 verse 26, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. Psalm 103 verse 17, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. But I have to say something here. What the psalmist is not saying is that those who are barren or those who are single are cursed by God. In fact, we read from Scripture that there will be those who may not have children. There are examples of those who don't have children. We read in Scripture as well that there are those who have been blessed with the gift of singleness. But what the psalmist is saying is at the same time, a happy marriage and flourishing children, though they're not essential for survival, but they greatly enrich life in some way. A commentator would put it better than I could. He says, though the idea of bearing children is found in the figure of the faithful vine, it goes far beyond it. Good wives are also faithful in kindness, prudence, helpfulness, and affection. If they, bear, if they bear no children, they are by no means barren. If they yield us the vine, so if they yield us the wine of consolation and the clusters of comfort. I found it interesting that as the psalmist was drawing this picture of the faithful life using these two images, the images of the vines for the wives and the olive plants for the children, these were symbols of the abundant life. But he then would remind us to the focal message of this passage in verse 4. He would take us back and say, Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. So whether the Lord blesses my singleness, whether the Lord blesses my marriage, or gives me a spouse, I mean to say, whether the Lord gives me children now, or he says, wait for your time cometh, in the seasons of waiting, my responsibility is to fear the Lord. And as I fear the Lord, he will bless me. And in his blessing is much contentment with the season I find myself in. Singleness, marriage, waiting for children, and even grandparents who can sneak you in there. So to close, he closes with a benediction. Verses 5 to 6, it says, The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. This psalm is a psalm of ascent. It was a psalm that they would sing as they were climbing up to worship God from the temple. 
And as the psalmist writes the psalm, he sees the faithful nation or the faithful people of God gather together to come worship God as a collective. And he prays that as they go up to the temple to worship him, that he would send out his blessing from his throne. Church, as I stand here tonight, I pray the same prayer. I pray may the Lord send out his blessing to us here at Central. As we gather as different members making up one body, the body of the Lord, I pray that the Lord would send out his blessings on our community here at Central. I pray, I pray that the Lord would help you to see good health. I pray that the Lord would help you to endure the trials of this age. I pray that the Lord would help you to triumph over adversity. I pray that the Lord would give you victory over the forces of darkness. I pray that he would give you this day your daily bread to not only nourish your bodies, but the body of others as you love them, not just in word, but in deed as well. I pray that God would bless this body with peace as we discover the secret to a blessed life, the fear of the Lord and the obedience of his word. As I close, I want to close with words from a, from a hymn. The hymn writer says, I found the pleasure I once craved. It is joy and peace within. What a wondrous blessing. I am saved from the awful gulf of sin. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, the half has never yet been told. Let's pray. Father, we... Lord, I do pray as there's a lot of noise, Lord, in the world that offers us recipes to true joy. It offers us recipes to what they think is true joy or true happiness or fulfillment in this life. I pray, Father, that you'd help us, Lord, to come back to your word and ask the question, what, did it, what is it that you say is the only recipe to joy? God, you are the giver of joy. And outside of you, there is no lasting joy. So God, even as I pray, Lord, I prayed in the beginning, Lord, I want to pray again now. Father, if there's someone sitting in this room, Lord, who is just drowning in misery, probably, Lord, drowning in depression or just bordering around depression, I pray for those who are just struggling, Lord, with just some stronghold over their lives and they just feel like they will never be happy again. Lord Jesus, I pray that you draw them to, your, to yourself. Help them to see that, God, you are our Savior. You are our rock and our fortress. And, God, outside of you, we have no joy. God, you care for us deeply. But Lord, help us to know who it is that is caring for us. God, you are not like us. You are far supreme. You are the omniscient God, omnipotent God, the, the God of all ages, the God who has redeemed us, Lord, from the slave market of sin and has purchased us to himself. And God, as we belong to you, as we can be called your children, 
we can enjoy the benefits of belonging to you. And God, the benefits, you've named them in your word. We can have joy. We can have peace. We can have contentment. God, we can live a fulfilled life now. But that life is centered around you. And God, as we fear you, may people see our fear for you in our obedience to your truth. Help us, Lord, never to compromise. Help us, Lord, to fight for the truth, to learn the truth, to stick to the truth, and to love the truth as we love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.